0: Welcome to the Pivoting Out of Education podcast, where hosts, Drs. Jamie Hoffman and Tom Stutter will share their stories of folks who have left campus-based positions in education and K-12 to leverage their skills in other contexts. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the average person holds 12 jobs between the ages of 18 and 50. Educators like Jamie and Tom often enter their careers thinking they will stay in education forever. Perhaps because they're trained to think that way, or perhaps it is hard to see other pathways. Both of your hosts pivoted out of campus-based positions and are loving it. Now they want to give back and support others trying to do the same. Thanks for listening in and enjoy today's episode of the Pivoting Out of EDU podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pivoting Out of EDU. I'm
1: Jamie Hoffman.
2: And I'm Tom Stitter.
1: And we are here today with Josie Alquist, who I feel like I know so well because I follow her on social media and see all of your amazing accomplishments from really helping to bring folks together around COVID time about building digital communities to, of course, authoring your very own book, which I have given birth to two babies and would say that. It's probably uh, harder from reading your journey than, than birthing the kids. I'm not sure about still raising said children. I feel like maybe you get to relish in the joy of the book a little bit differently. But not that I don't. I love the children. They just continue to be hard work. Um, but at any rate, <laughs> wonderful to have you here. And also speaking of children, my daughter's name is Josie, otherwise known as JoJo. So additional special, oh, main, special place in my heart for, for you. But yes, thank you so much. I know that folks also have followed your journey and will love to hear about sort of the decisions that you've made in your own career. You've chosen your own path, which I know sometimes we've talked about sort of the space of being adjacent to higher ed. So we'll get to share that experience with others on this podcast. So So thank you again for being here. And I think it would be great if you could get started by telling us really your background in education, notably in campus-based positions, and then what led you to make a pivot?
3: Well, sharing my story and the journey is also part of the, the pivot and to discovering what I do now. Well, thank you so much for this invitation. I get asked often, so it's great to be able to amplify the story. So then individuals can kind of see themselves into opportunities of which maybe they never had dreamed of. So I, the minute I stepped on a college campus, I was hooked from, I mean, touring a college campus. I, and the whole process, I just absolutely love like discovering what my major was going to be and who I was going to go. And so it was no surprise that I got Uber involved as a college student and then had a really great mentor that said, you could do this and they will pay you more than work study. I was like, what? (laughs) And I did not want to grow up yet. And so a master's was in my future, which was really, you know, like a two-year excuse to to continue to get my life together. So I got uh, my master's at Northern Arizona. My undergrads were at South Dakota State. I grew up in Wyoming. So it was just like baby steps and then a bigger step. And then somehow I ended up in Los Angeles because I met a boy. But my first full-time work was at Cal State LA and then at Loyola Marymount University. Residence life, student activities. It was also during this time was the birth of social media. The Facebook, MySpace, Twitter... And especially being in student affairs, we were the first to hear about it, of course. And as a accidental marketer, and well, also we'll talk about my accidental entrepreneurship, I immediately was open and excited to use those types of platforms. My vice president and president were not always as excited as right. I was. <laughs> so that just gives you like a little breadcrumb to look back to based on what I do now, is I've always been, Within technology and social media, willing to experiment, to play, and also to problem solve and to see gaps for knowledge, research, and practice. So, uh, you know, I did the career path for a while, got promotions, but also in the back of my mind, I always knew I was going to get my doctorate. Education was really important in my family. And also, I'm like an Aries achiever. And so that was just probably in the cards too. So I got my doctorate at California Lutheran University and had some amazing faculty that even though it wasn't in their research agenda, when I talked about wanting to research how college students were really experiencing social media, they said, let's do it. And then, well, Edlyn Pena, I'll just give her a shout out. I also had another study that I was like, can I do this too? But just like for fun, she's like, yeah, let's do that as well. But the only that at the
1: same time as her. Yeah, it wasn't a
3: dissertation. It was just like a okay, I'll shepherd you through this process and make it a legit study. So I already had like my experience with you know, like getting approvals and things like that. Once the dissertation hit, but I mean, the reason why I was able to study what I did and even do two studies was about six months into my into the program at Cal Lutheran, which is three years. I was turned down for a job that I honest, I'm not like boasting about myself, but I really felt like I could transform that other area on campus, which was leadership work. And they really wanted to do a lot with marketing and, you know, they picked somebody else, but it was the first time where I was brought to my attention, like, well, what are some other options that aren't just on this campus or at another institution? And again, another great mentor at Cal Lutheran said, well, you know, we have some graduate assistantships here. We have some funding that never gets used because the Cal Lutheran program really wasn't meant for part-time or non-working. So a lot of people don't have time to be GAs. And so I just allowed myself to imagine what would it be not working and just doing school. And again, kind of doing this GA uh, research assistantship position. But honestly, it took a lot of mental work because the identity of working full-time and working on a college campus full-time gave me great abounds of anxiety that I didn't realize I would need to unpack. And honestly, even after I left my work at LMU, the first six months were extremely difficult on. Just that transition was a shocker. And it wasn't because the work was too much in school. Like, all that was fine. That was just something that I would encourage folks to maybe be prepared for. It's not going to be at the first couple of weeks, like it's a honeymoon, like I can do whatever I want today or whatever, but have some other resources and, and, and be okay with when it gets a little bumpy in ways maybe you didn't expect when your identity is so caught up in your work, or maybe the industry that you were once in that can, um, that was a bit of a surprise. Totally
1: understand what you're sharing because it's funny, the first six months in my current position, I, I was job searching because I was like, no, I, this is not where I belong. But it wasn't, there wasn't anything wrong with where I was. I had just built my identity around campus-based positions in notably student affairs. And so it's it definitely resonates with me. And I know some of the other folks that we have this season that it's a lot of it is a mental shift.
2: Yeah, I was gonna add that I, folks probably remember from even my episode where you know this first four months when I left and I left higher ed to go to corporate. You know, I made a, a a really large shift. It wasn't even like going from higher ed to higher ed adjacent. It was it was very difficult because I was no longer talking about student development theory and I was no longer talking about leadership theory and and identity development theory and all the things that I had sort of baked into my persona as who I was and what I brought to the table. And now I'm suddenly in a a corporate boardroom and I can't talk about those things because they don't make sense in the world that I'm at now. And the identity crisis that I went through in those first few months was real. I got through it by, you know, having good conversations with mentors as well as the people at the company. But it was a true identity crisis for me. And I think our listeners, you know, who are thinking about making that pivot, particularly the first time, the advice that you just gave, which is sort of. Being aware of that is really, really important because it's you know it's it's literally no joke. It, I think, it it impacts us in ways that we're not we're not quite sure we're ready for, and it and it can sort of hit like a ton of bricks in that in that very beginning stages as Mm -hmm. as you sort of make that transition out.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So I I do want to ask, like, first of all, the Cal Lutheran connection. So we've all all three of us on this call have a CLU connection, Um, and I love that you brought up Dr. Pena. We all have. Uh, connection with her and her family as well. I'm curious, is Gail Eulandall was she in your, was she a professor in your program as well? No. No, she was, she taught like student affairs programs when I was there and she was one of my favorite professors. I loved the Cal Lutheran program. I ultimately transferred out, but I I did, I did enjoy that program for sure. I, I'm curious though, as you started to make that pivot and, and you made the decision to move out of a campus-based position. What strategies did you use or did you employ, and then talk a little bit about how you you know transferred or talked about the transfer of those skills in in the role that you're in now, and I know that you're doing consulting and and, and coaching and and you're an author, but how do you use those skills that you learned in a campus based position in in your current role and current current function mm-hmm. what you do on a daily basis
3: so just like the little nudge that was given to me about potentially leaving the work on a campus just to do school. Like sometimes we need people around us to see things in us or to give us that idea and for us to sit on it in ways that we hadn't thought about before. So my plan was to still go back to a campus and work or be, I started to think about faculty and research because that bug was really hitting me. And then I remember another faculty member, Dennis Sheridan, he said, you're going to start this program and you're going to end up in a whole other path you hadn't thought of. And that's like actually what the program is meant to do is you're going to discover new pathways. It's not just, for especially in student affairs, you don't just move up the ladder. Okay, dean, VP, whatever, because that's what I thought I was doing. Because I would not consider myself an entrepreneur. I didn't even think at first what I was doing was starting a business. I started a blog the week after I left my job because I knew I was like I need to be busier than I think I'm going to be. And so I'm going to blog my way through the first 50 days. And and it wasn't about I'm going to blog about my what I'm doing in school. I blogged about my family, I blogged about our move or like how I wanted to get a dog. And then eventually I started to share more about what I was doing in the classroom. And it was because I started to blog that turned into what I do today with speaking and consulting and, and because I was being given the skills and confidence to write in a doc program and to, I mean, also at the time it was like, I guess, kind of innovative to use APA in a blog. I was like, really? It's actually really efficient for me because (laughs) I just could pull this over, but that kind of gave me more credit when most people were just talking about social media, and this was like 2013, 14, in very like, you know, thought, leadership, opinion-y kind of ways. And I, so that also kind of put me in touch with like faculty, more executives were drawn to my pieces that I probably had realized I was really thought I was talking more to new and mid-level professionals. So I guess I would just say, just be so open and just as simple as like, tweeting once in a while or doing a blog or a podcast like this, just doing any action leads, there's ripple effects to it, right? And you don't have to have it all figured out. And I did, again, resist much longer than I probably should have admitting what I was creating was a business and what I was was a business. But that was also an identity shift that felt really uncomfortable in education because then I would be seen as an outsider. So, so much mindset stuff. And it was because I had a coach that reflected that back to me and that, you know, I was using that crutch as, well, if I don't call it a business, then if it's not successful, I didn't fail. And I always had this plan B over here. And once I finally let that go, the business grew and I mean, it it was just so a significant shift, even in, again, just mindset.
2: Yeah, what a what a great story for our listeners because you know ultimately we've had people that have shifted into corporate, shifted into, into education adjacent positions, but to have somebody that's actually started their own business and is their business right, I think is a a really interesting path for our listeners to hear and 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 that when we think about making a pivot out of edu, we typically think about an office, right? And for for you having sort of a different journey sort of opens up different doors for 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 our listeners to really think about as they as they contemplate whether or not a campus-based position is the right right piece for them. So I appreciate that. For sure.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I think one other note that I always tell especially colleagues that reach out about like wanting to know my story and my path is you do have to equate resources. There's an equity piece in this that sucks that we can't just do everything that w- we want without knowing resources so I would not have been nor would I have thought of doing this path nor would I have been able to if I didn't have a partner and some individuals that might mean you know that you work a little longer or maybe you also do this other thing while you're building but sometimes those people and it again it stinks that those types of equations are part of it but I want people to know like I couldn't have done this without my partner because there were there continues to be bad years with this kind of work being independent and and vice versa for him. So both of them tend to balance each other out. Yeah.
1: I think one of the things that I've really appreciated about seeing about your journey is that I see that you keep, I don't want to say redefine yourself, but it seems like you keep expanding while staying core to your values. And I'm, I'm sure that you've had many job offers to do lots of different types of things, but I do just sense from what you're doing that you're pretty grounded in what you want in your day-to-day and what, how do you want to give back and best use your strengths? And I think that that's really valuable for people to see as well. So on the flip side, what do you really like about not being in a campus-based position? And then what do you miss about those campus-based roles?
3: Mm. So I developed a little endearing nickname on my last campus, and I was referred to as the bulldog because I was adorable. (laughs) I got stuff done, but also if not well, you know, managed a bulldog might be aggressive because I wanted to move at a pace and accepting opportunities, um, sometimes faster than my colleagues or even the entire organization. So what I love about what I get to do now is within reason and resources, I, you know, tomorrow I want to start a podcast. If this next week I want to do a new program, I can do those things. And I also love that I get a macro perspective and I get to impact wider because that was also something that started to not give me energy while I love the students and the colleagues that I got to work with. Many times it always felt like when I was leaving campus, I was like driving out of the bubble and it felt like things were just staying there. And again, I love staying connected with the alumni that I worked with and seeing their journeys. But again, where my energy goes to, I think it had always been was was that kind of bigger impact. And then pre-COVID, what I loved was I would get to travel—not just for travel's sake, but I would get to see different friends and family that I probably never would have, or maybe not as often, by going different locations. And that was something I didn't realize at first would be such a value add that I could. Oh, okay, I can also get over, you know, to North Carolina and just like a little, you know, quick little side trip to see this person again, miss that a little bit. But also, I, I also don't miss all the travel right now. And I'm realizing how much more energy I have, when you start to equate all those things it takes to get on an airplane is much more than just, you know, getting up in line when your seats called. So what I miss also has to do with the person that gave me said nickname was my supervisor, who I do know, like, if I was Going to get any supervisor where I was last? like he know he knew how to like keep me there as long as he could. But what I miss is sometimes you need accountability. I miss having a supervisor to like process things, but also like have someone evaluate. i I, I look forward to evaluations. I know some people like would get so nervous. I'm like, no, I need this. I need this knowledge. I want to be better. Of course I miss the students, just that energy. I feel like I'm so out of touch with fashion. I've just, I've given up. Like, I don't even try to like look at TikTok or Instagram. There's just, also like, why are wide jeans back? I don't, I just. Oh, very unsure
1: about that. I don't even know. I don't understand the whole
2: TikTok thing. I, you know, I see people doing it and I'm like, I'm sort of glad I'm out of that world now because I don't ever want to be TikTok famous.
3: yeah. Well, and then the other thing that I miss, which actually was partially part of my burnout, was committee work. And I know it can be death by committee, but I loved collaborating and getting to, again, have macro pockets all around campus. And I was definitely the committee queen, and it got to be too much that I was on all of the things. (laughs) Um, But I mean, those are some of the things I miss about campus work.
1: That's awesome that committee work is is on your positive, because... (laughs) that that may or may not be was some of the things that tom and i mentioned as the things we don't miss i like the collaboration it is just for how long um, do you collaborate and then finally you get to implement that new idea and also totally unexpected that you would say you miss the accountability so i don't know if you want listeners out there to just message you and be like hey can i give you feedback
3: oh but (laughs) seriously i do that i i have a i have a gathering of colleagues and friends that I will send a blog post out to or I a part of it like I think when I know I'm my weakest maybe in my mindset it's more of I'm that's self-doubt that's not necessarily but sometimes it really is no I really do want to get a pulse because I'm also not on a campus anymore and that's where I'm I kind of struggle is feeling not just the insider outsider, but having a true pulse about what's happening. Yeah. So again, I mean, be nice, right? Like <laughs> <it's> just, <laughs> there's a way to deliver sandwich it a little bit.
1: <laughs> you don't want anyone to get, to push you off of Twitter, like happened with Chrissy Teigen, right?
3: Oh dear. I mean, she, she's, she's got it handled. She's all right. <laughs>
2: So Jesse, I am interested in, you know, you you shared with us before we we went live with recording that you have people that contact you on the regular, maybe even weekly, you know, asking for advice. And so I'm curious what you tell them, you know, what, what is the advice that you give to folks who are looking to make that first pivot out of education and, you know, thinking about your background and what you've done, what do you share with them?
3: yeah I get a lot of women, especially and i I'll take those calls any day of the week. and I tell them the realities, especially about like the the mindset pieces, the resources, but also about documenting the journey. and it doesn't have to start the day you make the the website or you have a logo. Like you can start telling your story and to claim your space in the smallest of ways. So I share my story about, so this first all started with me being a speaker while I was getting my doctorate. I started to get asked, hey, could you come do a, a workshop for my students on social media, like RAs and student government. And a lot of these people I, like already knew. And so again, good mentors said, hey, ask next time for gas money or um, or like let's start to cultivate what that rate would actually be. So a lot of conversations are about proper funding and paying yourself, right? But the other thing I think people need to hear is because in student affairs, higher ed, we think we need to get like credentials. We need to have all this paperwork on the wall, like over here, all my degrees. Like you can go get the LLC, you can get the website, or you can just start doing exactly what you want. Like sure for coaching, there might be some certifications based on topics, but, I became a speaker the minute I said, I want to speak. And so what I did is I posted on Facebook and I said, hey, y'all, in the next year, I want to do 10 speaking engagements. And I also said that same thing in an email to some really close colleagues who I knew you know, were just great resources for me. And so I went out and started to do those. And again, sometimes it was just gas money. And eventually it was money that I was like, you're going to pay me this much to say these things like. I feel like I'm a bank robber, but yeah, that's amazing. (laughs) So just start doing it. Again, within like the ethical care bounds of whatever that thing is. And that can be when you are in school, when you're a stay-at-home mom, when you're working somewhere else. There's, There's so many different equations that you could start doing it right away.
2: Yeah, I really like that. You know, and I think you heard us share our story about, you know, starting the podcast. It literally was one day we were going to, do a podcast and the next day it was like we're actually recording this and we're, we're making it happen and you're right like part of part of just deciding to make the pivot is is deciding to make the pivot and, and owning it whether you are pivoting to corporate or you're pivoting to consulting or you're pivoting to speaking you know being able to say to yourself yes I'm ready to do this and yeah you're right like there we, we have constraints of resources we may have time money etc but you know taking it one step at a time like you said sometimes it's just about asking for gas money and I I love that story. So thank you.
3: And just declaring it like on LinkedIn or wherever, like, or even that like you're looking for others who are speaking on this topic or consulting around that, like being newer to it also is a little bit of a, a golden ticket, especially with with the right reasons to approach someone for some feedback. So you don't have to recreate the wheel either. And that's what I don't want those reaching out to me to feel like I don't even know where to start is there's a lot of us that want, you know are willing to share our stories. So that's why this podcast is so great. And I feel like the best like collaborations and initiatives happen like in that moment and that energy is captured. I have an addiction to creating digital communities. My business coaches told me this. Um, I create them everywhere. Facebook groups, Slack channels. I'm at my max. The latest I won, I made was a Peloton Facebook group. And oh, it is my favorite. Favorite, and it's all higher ed. It's at hashtag higher ed writers. And again, we all have the similar, like, we're all coming from higher ed. We don't talk higher ed in the space. We do rides together. I'm meeting new people that I never would have on any other social platform or conference. And so, what are those like unifiers that it doesn't have to be? Sometimes it's about the work, sometimes it's just our common interests and addictions and peloton. <laughs> Uh, Tom totally wrote that down because he has a peloton
2: gonna say peloton has become a true addiction post-covid i i never thought in a million years i would own exercise equipment in my own house until covid and suddenly with no gym open it was okay i gotta order all this stuff and now i'm an addict for sure so i'm, I'm gonna look forward to joining that group soon
1: he's
3: gonna yeah. be riding with you
2: if that's
1: how it works um, uh,
3: yeah we've got some <laughs> tread riders or just people that do like the the strength classes I did a running class the other day it was okay I don't know I I'm definitely more into the spin and in core stuff but
2: I'm dying to yeah. know your favorite instructor a favorite cycling instructor
3: it just depends like if I need a laugh Cody is like right on Cody's actually gonna be my century ride which is in just a couple of days and it's also my last class of my 30s and so in the Facebook group like I made an event and invited people because again I'm in You can't wash student activities off of you. Like once you're a programmer, you're always a programmer. Um, And so things like that are just again, just so fun. So Cody's I will always be laughing. Oh, my gosh.
2: I'm hoping that Cody gives you a shout out on your on your century. ride.
3: Well, I'm very low. It's okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a great one. Well,
1: before we close out, we would love to know what do you see next in your
3: career? Oh my gosh! Well, the book—it was a—you laughed about babies. It definitely was a birthing process, a journey. Immediately, people ask, "When's the next book?" I'm like, I feel attacked. Um, this happens. <laughs> this like, is Don't true. You- like, You're like, I'm at the hospital. I just, I, know. Her. I don't know. Um, so I, I've shared a couple hints of my personality that like, you know, I'm an achiever competitor. Like I'm always forward thinking, creating. And so even this last year within COVID has been a challenging practice of just being present and to just celebrate the work I have done because I have been my own worst Critic in the work that I do, probably pretending that other people are critiquing it. And so, giving myself the space just to celebrate the work and the growth that's happened is actually a pretty huge shift for me. Because the other thing that I would share, and this is especially for people that are independent, is we are not renewable. Well, actually, no, for anyone, we are not renewable energy sources. You have to rest. You have to take a day off. And it's only been recently that I've, I'm taking Sundays off like religiously because I would, I just felt like I needed to work every single day because there was stuff to do, but also like growing a business, right? So I want to keep doing practices like that to sustain the work for decades to come, because there was a period of time when I was starting to look back at jobs that would be more honestly cookie cutter that would keep me almost more contained in my my energy. So we are logging off for a month right after this episode goes live. We are hitting the road for a month long RV trip. And I'm going to not work for the first good chunk of it. And I'm not doing any speaking, obviously, because who can trust RV or campground Wi-Fi? Um, So it's almost like going to force me to say no to things, which is also something I don't know that word. Um, (laughs) And so, again, what's on the future is just expanding the growth a bit more of the mindset and adding more space into this type of work for some self-care.
1: That's awesome. Well, I hope that um, you do tweet or share some updates from this road trip. Oh, so yeah, we can they'll be that. vicariously through you.
3: We did talk about maybe starting a TikTok just for the RV adventure, but we'll post those <laughs> other places, Tom, so you don't have to go into TikTok. <laughs>
2: okay, good. I'm very old school. I have a Facebook account and a Twitter account. That's about it. <laughs> <Okay>. That's
1: plenty. <laughs> But I will say, Tom, if you need to know about the latest and greatest platforms, follow Josie. She'll tell you what those are and yeah. how to use them. I can always count on you for that. It's going to become even more valuable as my children get older. So, well, they may be performance,
3: actually. Uh, sure. They'll probably know <laughs> way more than me.
1: <laughs> Fair point. They'll be like, my Josie will be like, mom, I want a blah, blah, blah account. So that's a good point very good point well thank you again so much for your time it's great to be able to elevate your story so that others can can learn from that and hopefully to save some of your time retelling the story as well but no thank you so much sincerely appreciate it and uh, can't wait wait to see your rv adventures
3: yeah and after this i'm hopping on my Peloton. hashtag (laughs) not an ad (laughs) i will join you (laughs) (laughs)
1: i will go to crossfit but uh you all enjoy (laughs) thank you so much
2: thank you so much josie for being a part of our podcast giving out of edu to all of our listeners out there look forward to seeing you next week for another adventure and another interview thank you so much
0: as always thank you to our guests for joining us additionally special thanks to our sound editor john alexander We spend one-third of our life at work. It should be something we believe in and have a passion for. It's okay if that passion changes. If you are thinking about pivoting out of education or know someone who is, visit our website at pivotingoutofedu.com for advice, testimonials, and blog articles. Have advice to share or would like a private consultation? Contact Jamie or Tom via the website or at pivotingoutofedu at gmail.com.